Turn with me, if you will, to Amos chapter 1. Amos chapter 1, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read verse 2 here in a minute, and then we're going to skip and read somewhere else. But um, when we lived in Texas, in the evening, a lot of times we would hear coyotes in the background. When they would start hunting, they'd yip and make all this racket. Um, Very common issue over there and uh they you know a lot of the ranchers would try to take them out you know uh because they were a threat uh but i've never experienced hearing a lion roar in person uh i've seen it on tv i know that uh, a lot of times the older lion will roar and uh it's it's to scare the prey so that the younger lions can pounce on the prey and and kill it for for the pride of lions but it's something that strikes fear in the heart of the prey when the lion roars. Um, when God decides to speak, it can strike fear into the hearts of people. When God speaks, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. When he speaks... His power is released for His purposes. Uh, That means we need to listen to Him when He speaks. But it also means that we need to be uh, fearing Him and trusting Him because um, as a nation, God will respond to us based on how we respond to Him. God loves us. He's provided Christ, but He also is just. That's why we need Christ as individuals. We could not stand before God were it not for the blood of Jesus that he shed on Calvary's cross. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, Grateful for the empty tomb and uh, the message Jesus gave of forgiveness. Uh, Amos was a sheep uh, breeder. It's nokadim is the Hebrew word, but it actually uh, means someone who was kind of over other sheep herders. Uh, he was somebody kind of in charge, and uh, but he was not called to be a prophet, and you know, it didn't come from a prophet's family. He says, I really don't have uh, any ties to any kind of uh, clergy or anything like that. He said, I'm a sheep herder, but God laid on my heart a message. God showed me his message for his people Uh, and for the nations around, and so I shared what was on my heart. I praise God for godly laymen who will speak up for Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great thing? Uh, We certainly need, in our day and time, godly laymen who will speak for Jesus. Uh, But Amos heard a message from God and announced a message as a message of judgment. And so, uh, as God's people, we need to fear God, we need to trust Him, and respond to Him with obedience. Look with me at Amos 1.1. The title of my message is, The Power of God's Voice. The words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of, of Judah, 
and Jeroboam, son of Joash, the king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Uh, he said, the Lord roars from Zion. He raises his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the summit of Carmel withers. And so this, this uh, prophecy that Amos is giving to the people uh, is a prophecy of judgment, and it is the word of God. It is the, the powerful roar of God as he responds to the sins of the nations. I want to tell you something. One of these days when Jesus comes back, by his brightness, his enemies will be, will be slain. Uh, his word will go forth from his mouth and destroy his enemies. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, we serve an awesome God. And he is a God who, who commands respect. Um, I'm going to go through uh, just some of the sins. He, he goes around uh, the different countries surrounding Israel uh, and, and pr pronounces God's judgment on each one. Uh, for Damascus, if you look at verse 3, they threshed Gilead with iron sledges. So they uh, uh, came against Gilead in battle. Gilead was part of, the, of Israel in the Transjordan region. Um, and they, they did it with iron sledges, which is a, a, just a poetic way of saying they really took it to them uh, more harshly than they needed to. Um, they exiled a, a whole community. That's what Gaza did. Uh, Ekron, Ashkelon, and Ashdod, all the Philistine peoples. Then if you look at verse 9, uh, Tyre handed a whole community of exiles over to Edom. So apparently some slave trading going on here. Uh, you look at verse 11, Edom pursued his brother with a sword. Uh, Israel, he pursued his brother with a sword, stifled his compassion. There was an ongoing pattern of Edom doing that. Uh, then... Uh, Look at verse 13, and here's where I'm going to read this, the, these last couple of verses here. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing the Ammonites for three crimes, even for four, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their territory. Therefore, I will set fires to the walls of Rabbah, a city in Ammon, and it will consume its citadels. There will be shouting on the day of battle and a violent wind on the day of the storm. Their king and his princes will go into exile together. The Lord has spoken. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Moab for three crimes, even four, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. Uh, then skip over to uh, verse 4 of chapter 2. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Judah for three crimes, even four, because they have rejected the instruction of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Uh, therefore, I will send fire against Judah. Uh, then look at verse 6. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Israel for three crimes, even four, because they sell a righteous person for silver and a needy person for a pair of sandals. They trample the heads of the poor and all the dust of the ground and block the path of the needy. A man and his father have sexual relations with the same girl, profaning my holy name. They stretch out beside every altar on garments taken as collateral. In the house of their God, they obtain, uh, they drink wine obtained through fines. Yet I destroyed the Amorite as Israel advanced. His height was like the cedars, and he was sturdy as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. 
And I brought you from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness in order to possess the land of the Amorites. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is this not the case, Israelites? This is the Lord's declaration. But you made the, the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, Do not prophesy. Look, I'm about to crush you in your place as a wagon full of sheaves crushes grain. Escape will fail the swift. The strong one will not prevail by his strength. The brave one will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground. The one who is swift of foot will not save himself. And the one riding a horse will not save his life. Even the most courageous of the warriors will flee naked on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. The power of God's voice. Um, Amos goes for around these nations in kind of a circle pattern. Uh, and what is normally expected in these kinds of situations is that the enemies of Israel will be talked about and judgment will come, but the Israel and Judah itself will not experience judgment. They will be blessed, and that's the expectation. But as he goes through all of these nations, and he gets first to Judah and then ultimately to Israel, his main target for judgment, uh, he does the unexpected. He says, Judah will be judged. Israel will be judged. And it's kind of a, they've been, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you're rooting for a football team, right? Your team scores a touchdown, the other team loses. Yeah, you know. Uh, but then it comes home to them. And they're experiencing this judgment themselves. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a uh, disturbing thing that is taking place. So the power of God's voice. What does God do? By merely speaking. First of all, I want you to see he judges the nations. He judges the nations. Now, God is the God of Israel, but he's not just the God of Israel. Can I tell you, he's the God of the whole world. Every nation is accountable to God, whether they acknowledge him or not. Uh, what you see as he goes down these different nations and, and he catalogs their sin and he predicts judgment, uh, he says, for three sins, even for four, uh, I will bring judgment. And then he mentions one of the four sins on each of them until he gets to Israel. And then he, gives, he gives a detailed description of what Israel's doing. He's emphasizing the judgment upon Israel. But all nations are accountable to God. This is why... We need to pray for our government officials. Because God will hold us as a nation accountable for the things that we do as a nation. Uh, when we uh, sin against someone else, another country, God will hold us accountable. God sees what happens as top secret that you and I don't see. Uh, God knows uh, the plans that go on behind closed doors. God knows what they say publicly and what they say privately. He knows it all. And he holds nations accountable. He also holds individuals accountable, doesn't he? That's why we need Jesus. Um, I, I remember one of my deacons telling me a story about this little boy. Uh, he was a real rounder in, in the church I pastored in Texas. And uh, he said he came out one morning real sober and just, I mean, serious as a heart attack. And the deacon noticed he wasn't playing around, and it you know, seemed real serious. And he said, he said well, what's, what's, on? what's going on here? 
And he said, today I found out that Jesus sees everything I do. And, uh, and so he got, a, he got a good laugh out of that. But it, it's true. God sees. He knows what happens. And even in times where their judgment is delayed, and most of the time it is, um, judgment does come eventually when that cup gets full. You remember what God told Abraham? He said, Abraham, uh, you're going to, to uh, give birth to a great nation, and that nation will stay in Egypt for 400 years, and then they'll come into the promised land. He said, because the sins of the Amorites have not yet reached their full measure. What was God doing? God was allowing time for the Amorites to repent. Isn't that, isn't that the grace of God? Praise God that he doesn't just zap us immediately when we sin, but he gives us opportunity to repent. He gives us time to repent. But uh, all the while, the cup keeps filling up. And eventually, it spills over and the wrath of God comes. Uh, every nation is on a timetable. And if they don't uh, repent and respond to the Lord, eventually, that time of judgment comes. So, um, what should we do as God's people? Well, we need to make sure that we're right with God individually. Uh, it is appointed that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Uh, so we need to make sure we're right personally. And how do we do that? Well, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, putting our trust in Christ. Um, now, if you're a Christian, you're not under the wrath of God. You're not going to receive the justice of God. Praise God. Hallelujah twice. Uh, God will discipline you for sin, but you will not receive justice for what you've done. But, but we do need to realize that God is not mocked, Galatians says, uh, and he will discipline us when we sin. So we need to make sure we're right with God uh, individually. Also, uh, as a Nate, we need, to, we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways for the sake of our nation. Uh, we need to pray for revival in America. Uh, and, and we need, as God's people, to be where we need to be so that God can use us to transform the culture. Um, prayer, time with God, growing spiritually, maybe even fasting and prayer, uh, important to, to become the people of God that he wants us to be and to lift up our nation in prayer. Um, I believe our nation needs to treat Israel the right way. I think that's important. I think that's one of the reasons judgment hasn't already come on our nation as, as, as to the extent that it could have. Um, we need to um, stop the practice of abortion. Uh, we, we have a great blood guilt on our, on our uh, country right now. Uh, these are things we need to pray for. There are things also we need to consider as we go to the ballot box. Uh, we have a unique privilege in our country of having some kind of say uh, in who we elect. And so uh, we need to take that seriously. So um, the power of God's voice, he judges the nations. He can pardon a nation. You remember Jonah and Nineveh? He can pardon a nation. Nineveh, the Ninevites, they repented. They fasted and clothed themselves with sackcloth. And Jonah was so frustrated and mad. He wanted the fire to fall. He said, come on, baby. Let me see the fire fall. But God extended his mercy. And Jonah says, Lord, I, I knew this was what was going to happen because you're slow to anger and you're merciful. You're abounding in love and rich in mercy. All who call on your name, that's why I didn't want to come. 
and, and praise God that he does extend mercy uh, when there's repentance. Um, but, but no one can stop God's word. Once God start, uh, chooses to act, no one can stop what he does. He judges the nations. So, but not, how does he, um, what does God do by merely speaking? He judges the nations. He avenges the victim. He avenges the victim. Uh, look at verse 2, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. I will not relent from punishing Moab for three crimes, even for four, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. Now, some people think he's talking about just going and, and desecrating a grave and, and burning bones. I think it's probably more than that. Uh, probably they killed him in battle, but they didn't stop there. <laughs> uh, they, they desecrated the body, and, and, and they, uh, they did what was, was unnecessary. You think, well, uh, why the big deal? It's one person, because God cares about individuals. God cares about every individual. You remember when, when Sodom was about to be destroyed, what God said to Abraham? He said, the cry has come up from the city of Sodom, and it's so great that I'm going to have to destroy it. What's he talking about? The cry of individuals who were victims in the city of Sodom. You see, God cares about the victims. <laughs> you know, uh, as, as um, a judicial system, our judicial system needs to have concern for the rights of the victims. Sometimes we protect the criminals more than we protect the victims. We need to be concerned about the rights of the victim. But God sees. God cares. And if a person gets off for a crime they commit against somebody else, guess what? They're going to have to answer one day to the divine judge. And uh, he also cares about the rights of the victim. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that God cares when I'm a victim, when you're a victim. Aren't you glad? That we're not left in this thing by ourselves. Have you ever heard of crooked police officers? I'm not saying we have them. I'm just saying we see it on TV, don't we? What happens when your government officials aren't godly, when they're not doing what they're supposed to do? Can I tell you, we still have a defender. It's God Almighty. Uh, he cares about individuals. This is not even an individual in Israel. This is an individual in Moab. God cares for individuals everywhere. Praise God for that. Uh, and by the power of his voice, he speaks, and vengeance comes. You remember what they said to uh, Hezekiah. God sent a message to Isaiah. Isaiah tells Hezekiah, this is what God says. This army that you see is not going to be here tomorrow. God's going to kill them. Not only that, but the king who brought this army against you is going to go home to his homeland, and in his own God's temple, he's going to be killed by one of his sons. And sure enough, it happened, took place. I'm going to tell you something. All God's got to do is say the word, and the situation changes. He avenges the victim. Uh, so what does God do by merely speaking? He judges the nations. He avenges the victim. Thank God, praise God, trust God for that. Um, thirdly, he upholds his covenant. He upholds his covenant. Now, he's gone through this list of Gentile nations, and finally he gets to Judah. 
And Judah, you'd think he's going to talk about like a war crime or something like that. But when he gets to Judah, he says, I won't relent from punishing them because they have rejected the instruction of the Lord. They've not kept his statutes. Verse 4. So, uh, what's he saying? Therefore, I'll send fire against Judah. Judah did not keep my covenant. So, I'm bringing judgment upon them. What was the covenant? The Mosaic covenant was the covenant they were under. You do what God says, you're blessed. You don't do what God says as a nation, you're cursed. Um, it was a picture of how God deals with nations. But also, um, it showed the faithfulness of God to his covenant. And we are under a different covenant, and it's a one-sided covenant. It's a covenant that God says, I, through my son Jesus Christ, will forgive your sin. I will change your heart, write my law upon your heart. I will give you a home in heaven, uh, and it's my promise to you. And I will uphold my covenant. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? Um, he is both just and justifier of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. He always keeps his promises. He upholds his covenant. He is utterly faithful. You can rely on him. When God speaks, he upholds his word. He is faithful. Trust him to uphold his covenant. Trust him to be faithful to his promises in your life. When he speaks, he upholds his covenant. But what does God do by merely speaking? He judges the nation. He avenges the victim. He upholds his covenant. Fourthly, he protects the poor. He protects the poor. Now he gets to Israel. He's judging the northern kingdom, Israel. And this is the main focus of Amos' prophecy, that northern kingdom. He says, they sell a righteous person for silver. So the, apparently the judges are taking bribes. He says, they trample the head of the poor. They, they sell a needy for the person for the pair of sandals. So for just a little bit of profit, they'll sell out the poor person. They'll sell out the righteous person. Um, uh, he says a man and his father have sexual relations with the same girl. Some think this is idolatry. It could be also uh, taking advantage of the poor again in this way. Uh, he says they stretch out beside every altar on ga garments taken as collateral. What was that about? Well, in Israel, if you're a poor person, uh, you could get a loan and leave your cloak, your outer garment, with the person as collateral. But according to, to the book of Deuteronomy, what you're supposed to do uh, every night for the poor person is give that cloak back to them so they, they could keep warm with it. But he says instead of doing that, what you're doing is you're taking their cloak out and you're using it in your idolatrous rituals. And, uh, and you are, you are uh, taking advantage of the poor people uh, in your life. And so God says, I'm going to judge you as a result of it. God is taking action protecting the poor. Uh, God has a concern for the poor, and so should we. I talked a little bit about that this morning, but um, the rights of the poor, the rights of the helpless, all through Scripture, God talks about his concern for the widow, for the orphan, for the poor, for the afflicted. Uh, these are people that we need to, to, to stand up for. Um, I think a great example, abortion. I don't, for some reason, I've, I've been on an abortion kick. <laughs> Uh, talking about abortion, but 
But I think that's a great example of something that needs to be addressed in our culture because you have somebody who's helpless. They can't do anything to protect themselves. Uh, we need to stand up in, the, in terms of, of supporting uh, the right kind of legislation, contacting our congressmen, voting for, for people uh, who will protect the helpless. Um, God has a concern for the poor, and I'm glad for that because guess what? Riches can, can fly away. Right? That's what Proverbs says. Uh, don't put your trust in riches. They're, they can grow wings and fly away. Ask the people of the, the stock market. They, they, they know what it's all about, right? The money spreads wings and flies away. You lose your job. All of a sudden, you've got no income. Money is, spreads its wings and flies away. Um, aren't you glad that what, God's not a respecter of persons? That Regardless of whether you have money or position or power or not, God treats you the same. He cares for you. And he looks out for your interests. And, and if in situations where a government or um, a police force or a judiciary takes advantage of the poor, that is something that God takes very seriously. So, again, we need to pray for our government officials. Uh, we need to try to elect the right kinds so that the right kinds of, of judges are appointed. Um, and we need to cry out for God's uh, great awakening in our land so that uh, we can avoid the judgment that God brings for those who take advantage of the poor. Uh, we also need to be um, conscious of how we treat people who are poor. Um, I remember when I was... Uh, when my dad took his first church, I was 10 years old, and uh, he took a two-thirds cut in pay to go there. It really said something to me as a, as a child, seeing that, seeing him make that commitment to, to be obedient to the Lord. But uh, I remember my, my uncle, who was the Salvation Army pastor, gave me a pair of pants that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so what I had, I wore. You know, it wasn't an option, but they were ugly. I mean, they were really ugly. Plaid, orange, yellow. I mean, it was, it, they were hideous. Anyway, I can remember kids making fun of me, you know. <laughs> Look at those pants, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, it's not too fun, you know, to have, have that done. Uh, <clears throat> be careful how you treat people who have less than you do. God cares for the poor. We need to treat them with respect and honor and fairness. So, um, the power of God's voice. What does God do by merely speaking? He judges the nations. He avenges the victim. He upholds his covenant. He protects the poor. And he fulfills his word. Look at verse 10. I brought you up from the land of Egypt. And led you 40 years in the wilderness in order to possess the land of the Amorite. What is God saying there? He's saying, I told you that I would bring you to the promised land, and I fulfilled my word. Now, he says, I sent you prophets, Nazarites, who they made a vow not to, to drink or to uh, cut their hair. Verse 12. But you commanded the Nazarites to drink wine and commanded the prophets, do not prophesy. God, we don't want to hear your word. We don't want to hear 
about sin. And so he says, I'm about to crush you in your place. God's word worked two ways. It worked for their blessing when they were following him. And it worked for their cursing when they weren't. And God said, listen, the same way that I destroyed the Amorites before you, I'm going to come after you. And there's no horse that's going to be fast enough. There's no weapon you can fashion that's going to protect you from me when I come in judgment. God fulfills his word. You say, well, what does that mean to me today? Well, it means that God will fulfill his word to you personally. He'll fulfill his word about salvation. You put your trust in Christ. He will fulfill that word every time. He'll give you eternal life. He'll fulfill that word. Him that honoreth me, him will I honor. He'll fulfill that. He'll fulfill uh, that, that scripture verse that says, If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll restore that fellowship. He is faithful to fulfill his word about rewards. But let me tell you something. He's also for faithful to fulfill his word about people who reject him. Hell, as unpleasant as it is to think about, is a reality. And it's in God's word. Those who, who reject Christ, God doesn't want anybody to go there, but those who reject Christ choose by default to go to hell because God can't be in the presence of sin. Uh, he can't allow sin to come into heaven for eternity. So they're banished in a place called hell. That ought to make us sober. God always fulfills his word. Our friends, our loved ones, uh, those we know out in the community, it, it's not a small thing if they don't find Christ. It's critical. God fulfills his word. We need to share Christ with people who are lost. Uh, we need to invite them to church. We need to, to show love to them in the day-to-day situations that we find ourselves in uh, so that we can reach out to them and share that life-changing message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that they can be on the good side of it. Praise God. Um, what about you? Do you respond to the voice of the Lord in his word? Uh, we can't do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But I praise God. If, you know, if you're a child of God, you can ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, confess your sin to God, surrender yourself to him and trust him, and he will fill you with his Holy Spirit and live that life through you so that you can be pleasing and honoring to God. And uh, you can go in your life and the different situations you find yourself in uh, when you're uh, relating to that poor person or you're relating uh, to, to that injustice, and you can ask God, Lord, help me respond rightly. Uh, give me your wisdom. Give me your love. Uh, help me respond in the way that I should. And God is faithful to help you to do that. If you don't know Christ, you need to, to give your heart to Christ. Repent of your sin and put your trust in Him. Uh, and you'll be saved from this judgment. The day will come when God will give the command. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. That's the power of His Word. And we'll, the ones of us who are still there, living, be caught up with them with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, the power of his word. Father, thank you so much for the incredible 
comfort, challenge, uh, and conviction it is to know, God, that uh, we are held accountable for your ways. And Father, I pray that we will be faithful to walk in the filling of your Holy Spirit, that we'll love people, uh, that we'll respond to you in obedience. And, and I, Lord, I thank you that we're not under your wrath, for as we know Christ. I thank you that we're, the justice has been satisfied at the cross. But God, help us to be salt.